Hey, what's up, guys? Jordan Anderson here, and welcome to the podcast. Let's talk. Uh, hmm, how should we phrase this? This is this. I, I kind of want to do some predictions for what's going on right now. Um, I wrote an article about a month ago, uh, probably about the time you're listening to this, um, about the in-house creative world versus the freelance world and the 2020 coronavirus situation and the potential recession that we may be going into, or maybe if you're listening to this, we may be in right now. Um, I wrote it just a month ago, and, I, and I'm reading it now, and it's like, it seems so... Everything is happening so fast. Like, it, what would normally take six months or a year to kind of develop um, changes in a week or two. So, you know... What has happened? You know, what's happened over the last thirty days is it's we're just we're moving on on a ten x speed on a lot of things, especially in business. So um, at this point, it's mid to late July, or no, mid to late June right now, and the economy and businesses are opening back up, and people are somewhat going back to work. This the stock market is totally disconnected, and now it's like. Uh, it's just like shooting through the roof day after day. Like, you know, it's um, so I, I kind of want to make some predictions about what's going to happen or what I think is going to happen um, in the creative world. Um, and, you know, because the predictions are fun and it's uh, it's always fun to kind of look back and say, oh, you know, I was right. I was wrong here. Um, so let's kind of dive into it. So I would say, you know, over the last 10 years, creative world. I'm I'm saying has gotten like fatter and fatter, you know, um, coming off the 2008 recession and, you know, feeling all, all the heat there in 2009, 2010, everything kind of started to pick back up. Um, but in 2008 and through 2010, like a, a lot of people, especially a lot of creative people lost their jobs and this kind of started them off into their freelancing career. So by... Uh, by choice or by force or by default, everybody kind of started to become a freelancer, and this is where you kind of saw the the rise of the gig economy. Um, and over time, freelancers banded together and they formed digital agencies. And these could have been, you know, I worked at one. It was like a five man team or four man team, or um, you could work, or it could have been like a twenty person team. And it's like it's. Um, you know, these freelancers say, hey, I'm tired of working together. I do this. I produce very, you know, for like, a, I work at a video production now. So it's like, hey, I, I'm a, I'm a great producer. Oh, hey, I'm a great editor. Oh, hey, I'm a great director. Okay, the three of us should get together and we should band, band together and form a company. And do, you know, startup culture was pretty big in 2012. You got to think, you know, the, the rise of Facebook, the rise of Instagram, um, all the, all those apps that we, uh, we use today, the rise of Twitter, all that happened. Um, around that time and that's when the kind of gig economy started um and over time these you know either people got after a while these small creative agencies uh either didn't survive they survived or they got bought out or the team kind of disbanded and started to work at larger companies um how the cycle has gone over the last 10 years is you know, it started out as freelancers, people banded together as a creative agency, and larger companies and the client companies, we'll call them, they started to realize that, okay, I can, we can do this ourselves. We get to hire an in-house team. We've got the money now. We've, the economy seems very stable. 
um, we should just, you know, instead of hiring this video production company and them charging a premium on us, that we just build an in-house team, we hire a consultant to kind of teach us what we need to put together an in-house team, with, you know, or a creative team or a design team or uh, an in-house photographer. And what that kind of did is, you know, it 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 sort of made the creative world or the kind of in-house, I'm calling like the in-house creative world very fat and very, you know, bloated and like a little bit lazy. Like when you got a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of excess, there's a lot of excess money that, you know, it's a, it's a luxury for a company that is not a creative company to have an in-house creative department that can make graphics, make videos, make uh, podcast advertising all in-house without having to go to an outside design or a creative agency. That's a, that's a luxury. And from a financial per- perspective, it's, a, it's very much a luxury. It's not... Um, Having worked at an in-house video production company, it was, uh, or video, I guess, video production department, it was very uh, luxurious. Isn't isn't exactly the right word. I'm trying to find the right word. It's, um, you know, it's, it just there was a lot of excess. Or if you weren't profitable, or if you went over budget, it was kind of okay. There was the the goal of the in-house video team wasn't really to make. A profit. It was just to exist as an in-house video team that if any other department needed video assets, we were there to create those video assets. And, um, you know, just kind of, it just ended up, we bill internally or not bill at all or just say, you know, but, okay, so cut to now when millions of people have lost their jobs and millions of people have filed for unemployment. Now all those in-house creative departments have been basically just you know, companies have hit the eject button. They say, we got to save costs. We got to cut costs. Uh, and again, these are the client companies. These are the non-creative companies. These client companies have just said, you know what? We don't need an in-house department. It's, we don't need thousands of dollars of Canon lenses sitting around and, and fancy video studio lights sitting around not doing anything or an expensive video editor or producer sitting in a, in a desk not doing anything, um, especially now that we're working from home that, Pretty much all creative projects, unless they're like graphic design or animation, really is really difficult. So a photography project, a video production project, those are all kind of difficult to do uh, for creative agencies. And if you have an in-house team and the client company is thinking about doing layoffs or cutting costs somehow, that probably means that the creative team is going to get trimmed down or ejected or canned all altogether and kind of bought, sold off. Um, and then that kind of resets us back to where we were in 2008 we're all these kind of creative now we're out we're freelancing again we are back on our own or we're working from home or you know a lot of these jobs have moved from in-house video editor for example to um, seeing like a lot of remote video editor jobs or so um, so what this does is you know after they hit the eject button this sort of like reshuffles talent so many of these recently filed creatives they they will and and I believe they should start their own freelancing careers, you know, and the demand for creative work and marketing material is going to remain. I mean, some people, yes, temporarily the marketing budgets have stiffened up or kind of frozen, um, but client companies still need advertising. They still need creatives done. They still need graphics and videos and commercials and uh, you know Instagram story slides to go up in front of your face. And it's like they they still need all that. 
and this is where I think the cycle is going to continue. So how can you prepare? If you are, maybe you have been fired, maybe you have been laid off, or maybe you are, are sitting in, in an in-house uh, production department, creative department, maybe you're an in-house designer, maybe you're an in-house photographer. Um, what can you do to kind of, and you know, how can you prepare for the worst? Um, let me just kind of tell you that the younger and less experienced you are, the more likely you'll be to let go. So then they usually, uh, in some departments, they may try to fire their most expensive person or like their most experienced person because they are just like weighing down the, I guess you'd call it like the salary cap. But the young and less experienced people are probably the first to go because that's just like easy money to chop off, you know, so if the, if the, if your supervisor or manager is making like $150,000 and the young person, the less experienced person is coming in at fifty-five dollars or $60,000 or $40,000 or $30,000, they'll probably get chopped off because the CFO is going to be like, cool, we just need to save some money here. All right, great. We just made, we just saved ourselves $30,000. We just saved ourselves $60,000, whatever the low end salary is. Um. So just know that. So if you are one of those, maybe you can start to prepare using these steps. Number one, I would say is to have a, your portfolio and your website up to date. So it's June 2020. Uh, start in, when you get home from work on the weekend. Start piecing together your portfolio. Get your demo reel together. Maybe even get some case studies together. Or if you are sitting at work right now uh, and you've got, the, you know, I've done I've done this. If you got the files on the computer from your work, and it's you know, and your boss is probably okay with you kind of having this in your own personal portfolio, download those original files. Have those original files or original photos, original videos somewhere on your person, so that if you because if you get let go, you can't go back to that computer on your desk. They're not going to let you go back to your computer. They're not going like, to probably not going to email you any files. So um, to protect yourself and and it's a sad situation when you're having to do this it's a, it's it's a I'd, i've been in that situation and it's not fun it's not it's very like um you feel very sketchy you feel very um you don't feel protected in the workplace so it's you're just kind of having to fend for yourself so it's it's a, i get it, it's a very like um gut guttural thing it's kind of fight or flight response to this but have somehow get the original files or get access to the original files save them in your portfolio, and then start to update your website. If you don't have a website, build one. It's very simple. Do a one-pager. Just keep it real simple, a little bit about you, a little, you know, top three portfolio items. If you can make a case study or if you can use some of the data that you learned while working in-house, um, it's going to make your portfolio and resume look a little bit beefier because um, you can say that you were able to work with larger clients than if because if as a freelancer, you're probably not going to work with Fortune 500 companies, these huge mega corporations. But if you're in an in-house video production company or a video department or somehow some other kind of creative department, then you might be able to work with larger companies uh, and still get to say that you work with them. Don't I've seen this. Don't say that your clients are Pepsi, you know, Coca-Cola, Kodak. Don't say that. Just say you have worked with these people. I've seen too many portfolios that have said, I have worked with Facebook. I have worked with Instagram. I have worked with Spotify. It's like, 
No, you haven't. You were at an event that was sponsored by Spotify, and you were a vendor for the rental company. It's like, you know, just because I've seen, I've seen it happen before where people totally BS or they were a production assistant on a, on a shoot that was for some major food company, Nestle or something. And it's like, no dude, you, you weren't, that was not your client. You did not talk with the marketing manager. You did not seal the deal. You did not send the contract or get the invoice or get the money from it. You just, just, so do it in a tasteful way. Say, I've worked with these people. I've worked on this type of production. I've worked with these types of companies. Okay. Number two is what you can do is keep in contact with colleagues outside of your current job. The And again, this, this is speaking from lived experience. When you're at an in-house creative department, you kind of fall into this lull, this kind of hypnosis or this sleep or this daze that you don't really need to network anymore because everyone around you is a creative person. You're working with other designers. You're working with other photographers and videographers and producers and editors. You don't, you kind of like, oh, my network is right here. This is perfectly fine. Because the problem is if you were to be let go, then you, your entire network is totally attached to your old job. And some people don't want to talk to you from your old job or you might have been, you know, it might have been, you might have left on a bad note or it would have been bad timing. And now you're trying to like somehow connect, you know, your network to it's, it's just old and it's hard to kind of stay connected. So I would encourage you, yes, network with people inside the company, network with people in your creative department that you're working at, but also you know, network with people outside, go to other events, go to outside events. You're not breaking company policy. You're not uh, poaching, getting poached or talking with recruiters. You're just networking with people outside, colleagues, you know, contemporaries out there that live in your city. It'd be great if they lived in your city, but they can live across the country. They can live across the world. Somehow talk, ask questions. The The best way to network with people outside is just to ask them questions. Look at a piece of work they did. Look at a video. Look at a photo they did. Ask them what happened. Ask them the story behind it. What motivated them? What was the creative behind this? It, 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 it's it's a very simple way to just start building a network. Um, the third thing you can do is start creating thought pieces and what I'm calling hefty pieces of content to show off your expertise. Um, this is things like podcasts, things like blog posts, things like case studies, um, build up, you know, or YouTube videos, you know, talking about your opinions in your industry. So you are an industry expert. You, you are a photographer in a creative department. You're a videographer in a creative department or a designer or a producer or an editor. You have some experience. Speak to that experience. Talk about what has happened. You can be in, of course, be anonymous. Don't name names. Don't drop names. Don't mention clients, but talk about events that happened, talk about problems that you've seen in the workplace, talk about um, solutions that you see in the workplace, talk about um, where you see your industry going as a whole. It's, that's, you know, and that's what I mean, like thought pieces. And what I mean by hefty pieces, there's like, there's the Instagram post, which is very, I call that lightweight content. And then there's hefty pieces of content like a case study, like a, a in-depth blog or like a podcast like this that kind of goes on for, you know, more than five minutes, you know, a, a long, you can either, and you can connect uh, step number two and step number three. 
interview someone outside of your current job on a podcast and post it. And now you have an hour long podcast of uh, you sharing your thoughts and having uh, a colleague or a, have someone have someone in your network sharing their thoughts on your platform. And that gives you the halo effect so that people kind of connect you with those powerful ideas. If you're still employed and you feel uncomfortable posting, some people, uh, maybe they're friends with their boss online or their boss can see what they're posting online or they are, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I, uh, it's, again, I've been in that situation. It's very strange. Um, if you're not exactly friends with your boss or maybe you like to keep it a little church and state kind of, uh, hey man, you're just my boss. I don't, we don't have to be Facebook friends. We don't have to be Instagram friends. I'm just gonna, um, sorry if I don't follow you back. Um, but they may see your stuff, so um, it's okay to keep all this stuff in the drafts folders. Keep it, it just if you want to write a blog post every day, but you don't feel comfortable sharing it, still write the blog post, save it in Google Docs, save it in somewhere that's backed up, uh, record your podcast, so that in the event that you do get fired, that you have those pieces and you can start publishing that on your website, publish your podca- uh, publish podcast episodes, publish uh, things on your Instagram, and you've got this whole big backlog of content that you've been building day after day, week after week. The last step is to build your runway. And when I say build your runway, I'm talking about build up some money in the bank right now. Uh, it's People are saving more than they ever have in the last couple of years. People are saving a lot of money and they're not spending a lot of money. Um, start saving your money because the worst thing that can happen is you get fired and then on top of you getting fired you realizing you don't have enough money to pay the rent next month and that's that is a dead serious situation that's happening right now and it's awful and it's like it's it's happening all over america and the thing about it it's a very shameful thing somehow and and i hate that it's a shameful thing that you like you are gonna miss a payment or you're gonna miss rent or you don't have enough money saved up or you don't have more than $500 saved up in the bank or in a savings account or you don't even have a savings account. There's like this kind of shame and stigma around it and I hate that and I wish it was just kind of open or, or it was, you know, it's they say it's like, oh, it's impolite to talk about your personal finances. You don't, I, I would say it's impolite to talk about the number of money, how much money you have in the bank account, but it's, I think it should be destigmatized to talk about what the behaviors you're doing, how much you're saving, the types of accounts you have, like, or just the financial situation that you're in. You don't have to say how much money you have in the bank account, but you can still communicate. And I think you should be still able to communicate with your friends and family. Um, you should talk openly about your financial situation with each other. It's like, um, because it, because people, you know, you, you would, you just kind of suffer alone. So, and it's in an awful situation. You get, you know, you don't want to get fired, and then realize you don't have, you know, they're going to give you two weeks. You know, hey, you're fired. You'll get your, you know, you'll get your two weeks pay, and you'll get your next final paycheck in two weeks. Thanks for playing. Have a nice day. And they kick you out on the curb, and it's like, great, I got that last paycheck. What am I going to do next? This is where having a runway is built is going to save you. So save up. I'm not saying I'm not going to go so far to say open up an investment account, but at least have some money, have some cash in the bank where when you get fired, you go, okay, I got fired. That's okay. Fine. We get, I know how to deal with this, but it's fine. It's not the end of the world. People get fired all the time, but at least I have enough money for rent this month. And maybe 
it would be even great if I, okay, at least I have enough for three months rent saved up, six months rent saved up, um, like just as much of a runway as you can go. It's a weird time. And all these steps are very fear-based steps. And I hate to kind of come at it from a fear-based, but it's, it's not, I, I really think it's more proactive because the last thing you want to do is be reactive. You don't want to start to scramble because I've done that too. Like you get fired and then you're scr scrambling and you're panicking and you're thinking irrationally and you're just trying to uh, tr get everything together as soon as possible or all the things that you sh everything that I've listed here that you should have gotten together, you're having to like uh, put it together in, in under two weeks and get it up and running and hopefully and then try to get another job. It, it's like you you don't want to be there's so much stress to compound in such a short amount of time that if you were to do all these slightly stressful things spread out over time and prepare yourself and be proactive in the situation, it's going to, you know, this 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 speed bump will be a light speed bump as opposed to, you know, a fucking mountain that you have to go over. So it's, uh, so again, to review, number one, have your portfolio and website up to date. Number two is keep in contact with colleagues outside of your job because I guess I forgot to add those people may hire you or they may um, see that you are out of work and, uh, hey, my company's hiring. You should come work with us. We know, you know, we're friends. Step number three is start creating thought pieces and hefty pieces of content to show off your expertise because when you are looking for a job because you don't have a job now because you just got fired, they're gonna want. They're of course gonna look at your res or resume, and they're gonna look at your demo reel and portfolio. But if you're able to back it up with some thought pieces, with some content, and say, and not you know, add some flavor and some depth to your expertise and and to your CV, that's gonna help tremendously. And finally, number four, build your runway, and save up, save money. Don't go crazy spending. Uh, if you have a big vacation plan, maybe um, put that on hold, get a refund. Um, that's, I mean, we had to do that this year. We had, we were this summer, we were going to fly to Hawaii and it, everything just got really, really weird. And we just said, you know what? We just need to cancel Hawaii, get a refund back. Cause we would be better off having that cash in the bank here now and have some runway in case shit does hit the fan as opposed to, you know, blowing the money on a vacation and then coming back to hell or carnage or whatever you want to call it. Um, Okay. So, kind of a slightly different topic today. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, but those are my predictions. So, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. But that's my prediction that we're going to see the in-house creative departments start to expel and eject all their in-house creatives. The creatives are going to start, again, they're going to go back to square one and be freelancers. And over the next couple of years, you'll see the freelancers form new digital agencies, new creative agencies, and then those creative agencies might get bought or turn into larger agencies. And you're going to see this sort of reshuffling of talent um, where freelancers turn to creative agencies and creative agencies turn into in-house uh, creative departments. So, you know, it's just kind of a cycle. Okay. Uh, thanks again for listening guys. Uh, if I'm going to, I'm going to put a hard plug on this one. If you've listened this far, go to jordanpanderson.substack.com. I'm sending out my daily email. Um, basically helping, basically I'm, I'm helping photographers get better at their business, make better business decisions. 
and uh, and I got some great stuff there. So it uh, goes out every single day. I think you I think you'll really like it, especially if you're a photographer or you're a new photographer or you are um, maybe you are in this situation right now. Maybe you're listening to this and you've just been ejected, and now you're thinking about becoming a freelance photographer. I've got uh, tons of great resources there uh, to help you kind of make better business and marketing strategy decisions for your photography business. Okay, plug is over. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Jordan P. Anderson, and I'll see you in the next one. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to the Jordan P. Anderson podcast. Before you swipe away, I just want you guys to know about the daily newsletter that I'm sending out. If you go to jordanpanderson.com, there's an email link to sign up, especially if you're a photographer looking to increase your word-of-mouth referrals and get more inquiries and improve your branding and marketing, then go to jordanpanderson.com and sign up there.